0: Hey Packer fans. Unfortunately, we're not breaking down Packers lines today, but we still have an amazing day of football ahead. And guess what? You can still go to prizepicks.com slash Packaday and use code Packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Lions 49ers, Ravens Chiefs. I can't freaking wait. Let's get our picks in right now. First and foremost, I'm going Christian McCaffrey, more than 59.5 rushing yards. Would it shock you if Christian McCaffrey had 159.5 rushing yards? That's probably a little bit aggressive, but you know Christian McCaffrey is going to be a focal point of this 49ers offense. Now he's going to be a focal point of the Lions defense as well, but 59.5 rushing yards feels like low-hanging fruit. I expect the 49ers to have a huge game plan running the football with McCaffrey, specifically beside uh, behind Trent Williams, George Kittle, and that left side of the line. I don't think Detroit's going to match up super well, uh, specifically, in Santa Clara I love 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 Christian McCaffrey more than 59.5 rushing yards in this one next I'm going Justice Hill more than 14.5 receiving yards I do believe that the Ravens are going to have to throw the ball in this one. I think this has the potential to get up there from a scoring standpoint. I think both of these teams are going to put up points. And I think at some point, whether it be via a two-minute drill uh, at halftime or late in the game, the Ravens are going to have to check the ball down. And they're going to do that a lot, I think, to Justice Hill. So I'm going more than 14.5 receiving yards for Justice Hill. And then the last one is Zay Flowers, more than four receptions. Same thing I just mentioned. I expect the Ravens to have to throw in this one. I do think Zay Flowers will be the main and primary target for Lamar Jackson, and I do expect him to come up with at least five receptions in this game, and I just can't wait to see how this Ravens and really the 49ers offense too uh, come up with creative ways to use their playmakers, specifically McCaffrey and Flowers, but don't be surprised if Justice Hill uh, goes easily more than those 14.5 receiving yards either. So just to recap, Christian McCaffrey more than 59.5 rushing yards, Justice Hill more than 14.5 receiving yards and Zay Flowers, more than four receptions. The best part is you can go to prizepicks.com packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-a-Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Happy Championship Game Sunday. Welcome into an all-new episode of the Packaday Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. We have a great episode for you today. Before I get started, I want to give a shout out to Ron Rad and Jesse Corbin for becoming new Packaday Podcast YouTube members. Appreciate you guys a ton. Thanks so much for checking out the content. Hope you are enjoying it. Today's focus, of course, is going to be on the Packers defensive coordinator search. And let's address the, I don't know if it's an elephant in the room, but let's address the big sort of rumor that's been out there. Maybe by the time that you are listening to this, or as this is getting posted on Sunday, maybe the Packers have already announced their new defensive coordinator. Andrew Mertig, who is a resident expert here on the Packaday podcast, tweeted out on Saturday that based on two separate sources, Christian Parker is currently in Green Bay and I'm being led to believe this is Andrew and I'm being led to believe has been offered the Green Bay defensive coordinator job. No word on if it has been accepted. So that was a tweet from Andrew Murtag, again, resident expert here on Packaday, uh, that he has two different sources that uh, Christian Parker is in Green Bay and, and Andrew is being led to believe that he has been offered the Green Bay defensive coordinator job. If he was, I can't imagine any scenario or situation in the world in which Christian Parker would turn that down. Now, I love Andrew to death. He's got a Packaday podcast tattoo. He has been in on the pack stuff from day one. I believe him and I trust him and I know that he wouldn't uh, do anything without legitimate sources. But to be fair, uh, Andrew is not exactly the, you know, Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter nor Tom Silverstein or Rob Domovsky. And as of the time that I'm recording this, nobody else has reported that this has been the case and that any offer has been made or accepted for Christian Parker at this time. So again, as you're listening to this, Maybe Christian Parker has been named the defensive coordinator of Green Bay, and if so, we will, of course, have breaking news, and I will probably go live on YouTube, and we'll have an episode for you tomorrow. We'll break down all the ins and outs of Christian Parker, and I'm going to talk a little bit about him today towards the end of this episode as well, but today's not necessarily about that. Um, Today, what I want to do is break down a little bit more about the process of going about hiring a defensive coordinator because it's been a little bit interesting out in the land of Twitter and social media as to how everyone's kind of going about who they want to be defensive coordinator, who they don't want to be defensive coordinator. And everyone seems pretty like stuck in the ground of like who their guys are, who their guys aren't and who they want and what the Packers should do and what Matt LaFleur should do and so on and so forth. But I think there's some confusion and some misconceptions that we need to go over first. And that's where I wanna start today. The first thing that I wanna say though is that I do understand why everyone's a little bit tight about this entire situation. If you are nervous, if you are anxious, if you are worried that the Packers are going to do the wrong thing and hire the wrong guy, let me just say, I get it, I understand it. First of all, I understand that this is a huge decision for Matt LaFleur and the Packers and this organization as a whole. They were just in the divisional round game against the 49ers, should have won that game. They have a tremendous young core, especially on offense, but they've got some really intriguing pieces on defense as well. And they are probably a legitimate defense away from legitimately contending for a Super Bowl and a championship this is a major decision for the franchise. So I get that if everyone's a little bit nervous that Green Bay is going to screw it up or not get it right, it could be extremely costly if they get this wrong. There's no two ways about it. This is a team that is competing already at a high level well before they were supposed to and hiring a super smart defensive coordinator that can come in and potentially make this a top 10 defense would change everything. And on the flip side, if you get a defensive coordinator that comes in and they are the opposite and they are the same status quo or they are worse than what we just experienced, this is gonna go potentially in a very bad direction and you're just never probably going to be able to get to the level that you want to get to, meaning winning the Super Bowl, because your defense is always going to undercut you. This is a massive decision. The second thing I will say is I will also understand your angst and anxiety because Matt LaFleur's track record for hiring coordinators, let's just say, is not great. Whether it has been the three special teams coordinators that he has hired so far, Sean Menenga, not great. Mo Drayton, not great. Rich Passaccia, not I would say mixed results, but let's just be real. It hasn't been great for the past two seasons. There's been little flickers of things here and there. And I understand that Rich is trying to make over a culture of special teams that's been bad for decades, but it hasn't gone great over the first two seasons. This, those three as a as a whole in the Matt LaFleur era, we're, we're almost over three and I'm willing to give Rich a little bit more time, but the first two were unmitigated disasters defensive coordinator, Mike Pettin, and whether that was a shotgun marriage or whatever it might be, that did not work out. And then, you know, you were obviously going into the Joe Barry era that has not worked out. And now you're getting ready to hire your third defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator is tough to say, but like we have we, we can't really say anything good, bad, or indifferent about Nathaniel Hackett or uh, you know, Adam Stenovich simply because we don't get to know what they do on a day-to-day basis. They might be two of the best offensive coordinators in the world. I know Hackett did not do well uh is you know in, in Denver as a head coach. And I know this past season when he didn't have Aaron Rodgers and that offense was basically doomed, but it didn't go great. He got fired in Jacksonville before that. So I don't know. Maybe he was great in Green Bay. Maybe he was the benefactor of Matt LaFleur and his offense and system and Aaron Rodgers playing at an MVP level. And maybe Hackett had a lot to do with that. We just don't know. Same thing with Steno. Maybe this offensive resurgence this season had a lot to do with Steno. Maybe it had nothing to do with Steno. But if those are your two shining examples of, you know, what, seven coordinators so far under Matt LaFleur, that's, that's not great. That's that. We don't even know what they, they do really on a day-to-day basis. It goes without saying that Matt's track record at, at hiring coordinator so far has been less than stellar. So if you're nervous because of that, I get that too. If you're nervous because the Packers defense has sucked for seemingly ever, and they can't put a solid defensive coordinator and defensive staff together, and they can't put the talent that they need on the field to be even a decent defense, I get that too. So if, if everyone's wound up and tight because of how big of a decision this is, because of Matt LaFleur's struggle with hiring coordinators, or because the Packers just can't seem to hire a good defensive coordinator to save their lives, I get it. Trust me, I get it. But I do think there are some misconceptions here that we need to address. The first one, the first one is that I see people tweeting it and saying it all the time already, well, he's just going to bring in somebody that is running the Mike Pettine system that they ran before or they're gonna bring in somebody who's running the same Joe Barry system and it's gonna be a problem all over again. And I'm sick of the Mike Patton system and I'm sick of the Joe Barry system. All right, let's think about this logically for a second. Matt LaFleur fired Joe Barry. Matt LaFleur fired Mike Patton. He fired both of those coaches because their systems were not working and they specifically as defensive coordinators were not working. And Matt LaFleur disliked what was going on with the system so much that by all accounts, he seemingly went and changed up a lot of what they were doing on defense over the last portion of the season when they started to play better. If you think that Matt is okay running the exact same stuff that Mike Patton did or the exact same stuff that Joe Barry did, and he's just gonna bring in somebody that's gonna have the same system, but it's just gonna be a different play caller It's not going to be that. It doesn't make any sense. Why would he fire Mike Patton, who runs the Mike Patton system better than any Mike Patton clone or lackey ever could, and then be like, yeah, I want a different version of Mike Patton. Or why would he say, you know, yep, I'm going to fire Joe Barry, but then bring in a different version of Joe Barry. Now I get the Brandon Staley and, you know, Joe Barry comparisons and coming from the same system, but I think Brandon Staley would have to go a very far way to convince Matt LaFleur that he's going to run things and do things quite a bit different than how Joe Barry did it and run a different version of the system. And stylistically, it would have to look quite a bit different because we know that Matt did not like the way that that system was run this season. So if there's this worry and this concern that regardless of who they hire, that it's just gonna be another Pettin or another Barry, I would be shocked because we know for a fact that Matt LaFleur did not like either of those things and fired both. So I don't have any concern whatsoever that regardless of who they bring in, even if it's Brandon Staley, that this is going to be a cut and paste approach of what Joe Barry did, but they're just going to try to do it a little bit better with a different play caller. No way, no way, no how, don't see it. And yes, it could be a similar system. You know what? I get that there are these different systems in the NFL, but this is all slight variations of doing the same things. This is all versions of cover three, cover four, cover two, man to man, press man. It's all different versions of it. It more has to do with how you are adapting to the talent that you have on the team, how you're adapting your scheme and your plan of attack based on the team that you are playing against and your adaptability and overall Um, you know, just ability to put together a cohesive scheme and a, you know, a plan and a, and get the players to buy into that. We'll get to all that at the end of this as well, but there's so much more that goes into it than just the playbook. Like all of these playbooks have a degree of being the same than just like a slight degree different from one another. I don't have a, a huge doubt that Brandon Staley couldn't be more aggressive and run a slightly different scheme if that's what Matt LaFleur wanted him to do. So that, that's my big thing here. I think this misconception that it's just going to be another Fangio Joe Barry defense, or it's going to be another Mike Patton style defense, whether it's again, Brandon Staley or Jim Leonard or anyone else that may have a, again, a, a similar sort of style I just don't see that Matt's going to go along with that and say, yes, let's try to do the same thing that we've done that we've already got rid of and fired and moved on from. Again, I just don't see it in any way, and especially with Matt becoming more involved and basically doing things different once he did so. I don't think he's looking for anyone to run the defense the same way that it's been done at any point in time of his tenure so far. The next misconception is that I already see, again, people digging in and being like, this coordinator is going to be great or this coordinator is going to be awful. I don't know how we jump to that conclusion on either side. I will readily admit that if it's a Brandon Staley or a Wink Martindale or somebody that has previous coordinator experience in the NFL, I understand that we have a track record that we can go off of. I am not a Brandon Staley guy myself. I am intrigued And if they did go in that direction, I think there's enough positives there that I am willing to see what happens out of that. There is nobody else that they will interview that has ever put together a number one defense in the NFL. And we can point to Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, elite players in their prime, generational players in their prime that helped lead that defense, no question about it. The rest of that defense is pretty mid at best. Like Leonard Floyd's the third best defender on that team. If you would have like looked at that roster, you'd have been like, yeah, because of Donald and Ramsey, I I probably expect them to be top 12, top 10. But like number one was overachieving with that specific group because far more often than not, you are as good as your weakest link, not necessarily your strongest player. And that Rams team had a lot of weak links and he still got them to perform at a number one level. There is an upside with Brandon Staley that you can see just in that one season. Has that defense a little bit been passed by in the NFL? I like to think so. But again, I think if Matt LaFleur goes in that direction, it's not going to be what Brandon Staley has just run. He's going to ask him to do things differently. And the other thing that I will say here too is, and the reason that I do think it's fair to question that is because these last few years in you know with the Chargers have been abysmal defensively. But there's still enough plausible deniability that hey maybe he had too much on his plate trying to become a head coach. A lot of different factors go into that. He isn't able to spend all of his time on defense, and it may crumble underneath him. And the one thing that he does really well, he can't do well because he has to focus on all the other fires that are going on with the team. But what my my point here being is that. Outside of maybe some of the established candidates like a Martindale or like you know somebody like Brandon Staley, who we we have legitimate examples of, we can go and look at their DVOAs and their statistical analyses. We can go look at the tape and say this is what they did. To that extent, I understand a little bit more if you want to say, "Hey, a wink Martindale, I like because he did this," or Brandon Staley, I don't like because of this. You have a little bit more proof of concept there, and I'm willing to give that. However. To say that an Al Harris or a Jim Leonard or a Bobby Babich or a Aiden Durd or a Christian Parker or anyone that doesn't have specific defensive coordinator experience in their resume, especially at an NFL level, I don't know how we can jump to either conclusion that they are going to be good, bad, great, awful, terrible, incompetent, the best coordinator ever, or anything in between. Because... There is so much that goes into this. And I'm going to go through every single trait that the Packers need out of this specific position in just a moment. But if it's just that, well, I think they're going to run something similar to what Mike Pettin ran. Okay, that's not enough to qualify or disqualify someone. Same thing if they came from a Sean McDermott tree. Same thing if they came from a Fangio tree. Like I said, these trees are all mixed and blended together at this point. There's a lot of similar styles. And I think Matt LaFleur... By the way, is such a great example of this, and what I mean by this is, when Matt Lafleur got brought in as a offensive guy, and of course he's a head coach, but as the offensive mind, everyone was like immediately attached to. While well, he was with Sean McVay, he was with Sean McVay, and he's got all you know. And Sean McVay was taking over the league, and anyone that touched McVay was like an immediate hire, and everyone had to have all the McVay guys. The truth of the matter is that Matt's system is far more Shanahan based. And we knew that he had that Shanahan style in it, in him as well. And I think that was part of what was so attractive is that he had some Shanahan and then he had some McVay and two of the offenses that were tearing up the league he had experience with, but You have to remember, Matt's offense in Tennessee wasn't exactly a picture of perfection. He was playing Deion Lewis more than he was playing Derrick Henry at times. There was just some weird things that were going on in that offense, and it didn't always necessarily look the way that you would want or expect it to. And again, everyone pointed to uh, the, the biggest one that people pointed to at the time was McVay. But as I mentioned, he is far more Shanahan based in his style of how he goes about putting together an offense and calling plays. And what I will even add more than that is this Matt LaFleur offense is not a McVay offense. It's not a Shanahan offense. It is his offense that he has put together based on his experiences, some McVeigh stuff, some, a lot of Shanahan stuff, but also some of his own stuff and some stuff that he borrows from teams that aren't even related to either of those systems. But he has built that on his own. So we could have pegged you know him as a Sean McVay this is going to be a Sean McVay guy when we were looking at the the interviews for him as a head coach but it just never ended up that way in fact i don't i don't actually think that his offense resembles a McVay offense all that much again it's far more Shanahan based and we could easily end with something similar where you get a Christian Parker who has some of these influences where it is, you know, he's, he's worked with Ejiro Evero, he's worked with Vance Joseph, he's worked with Mike Pettin, he's got all of these different influences in his DNA, but his own defense might be something totally different. It might be an amalgamation of all of those different systems that he kind of puts together. It could be the same for Bobby Babbitt. He comes from that Sean McDermott system. Durd comes from the Dan Quinn style. You know, Parker, again, has all those influences. Of course, Staley has his own system, but it's based in more of the Fangio tree. But there is a world in which when any of these coordinators go and they interview with Matt LaFleur, that they have new ideas or something new and exciting that they want to run with that's totally different. Maybe something that's not even being done right now in the league that they're going to bring stylistically to the table. But it's near impossible for us to know what fit and scheme and version of the scheme that they're gonna run and it, it takes going through an interview and talking to these guys to see what type of system that they're going to put in play and how they plan on going on implementing that system. And I think with some of these guys that are never have been coordinators before, whether it's again, an Al Harrison, and some of these guys aren't, I have not as we, as I know right now recording this, been asked to interview, but whether it's an Al Harris or a Christian Parker or a, um, you know, a, a DERD, you know, whatever it might be. Like, we don't even know if they've got like the assistance to bring in a playbook put together. Like, those are only things that you can glean by talking to them and being in that interview process. So I think that's the other thing here, too, is that it's really, I think almost like I don't want to say like foolhardy or anything like that, but to be super aggressive one way or the other and say, yep, yeah, just Bobby Babbage, that guy's, he, there's no way. If Matt LaFleur hires Bobby Babbage, he's an idiot and he doesn't know what he's doing. And the same thing I will say with a Christian Parker or like any of these guys. It's just so tough for us to know one way or the other of which direction that this is going to go in without being part of the interview process and without knowing exactly what style of system that they want to run. And just because they came from one system doesn't necessarily mean that that's the system and style that they want to run or at least the exact version of it. There's going to be tweaks that these guys put in in their own way. And there's a lot of questions that each of those guys are going to have to answer about how they want to put the staff together, how they want to put a playbook together, how they want to call a game, what identity they want to set up, and all of that you can only glean from the actual interview process. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making PrizePix a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. sports made easy. So I think we all, the other thing I'll say here is I think we all agree that the next defensive coordinator needs to be adaptable. Meaning, and I think Matt LaFleur wants this as well. I don't think that Matt just wants like, yes, you come in, you've run Dan Quinn system in the past. You come in and you set up Dan Quinn system or you set up Vic Fangio's system or you, I think Matt really wants the next defensive coordinator to be more adaptable and to be able to use the players that he has on his staff uh, or in his roster to put together the best defense possible. So if they are that, if that's one of the main things that you're looking for in your process, what scheme they came from isn't super important because they're going to need to adapt their scheme to what players the Packers have, what opponents they're playing against, and how they want to put together a, a, a scheme and an identity to beat opposing offenses. And it's great that they have some influences, but they're going to have to be adaptable dependent upon the scenario and situation week in and week out. And again, if that's the one thing that you're really looking for in this process, then maybe it matters a little bit less as to whether it is a Sean McDermott or a Dan Quinn or a Vic Fangio or whatever system that they've come from. I think it's less important if you get the right teacher and the right coordinator and the right leader in that room, I think you can make different systems work. And I say it all the time, but there is no perfect system. We saw in the first half of this this year, Brian Flores was like kind of like taking people by storm. And by the time Green Bay played him at the end of the year, Green Bay you know, just was able to put points on him easily. They were a step, Matt LaFleur was a step ahead of Brian Flores all day long. He just, he took that system apart. Ate it for breakfast, spit it out. Said, I no, I own you. And he dominated them. You know, Iberflus was doing some good things in Chicago. And I know they only ended up with what, 17 points, but they dominated the Bears too. And like if you if you are a good coach and a good coordinator, you are going to find a way to make your system work. And I'll say it one more time whether you are playing any of the different systems or styles, it there's it's not just automatically gonna beat the offense in front of you. And all of these plays and systems are so intertwined. I just don't see that as being the big factor. I I will lend you that the Fangio style has seemingly gone a little bit out of, you know, Vogue. It's, it's no longer in Vogue. I will give you that. And I get, and that's, I'm, a, I'm on the same page. All right. Uh, that's why Staley is not one of the you know top five or six guys that are probably going to end up on my list. So I get that because even Fangio had mixed results last year. Staley had mixed results. Barry, Staley's just bad results. Barry had bad results. Like so many of those guys that came from that system, it just didn't work last year. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it can't work again. It doesn't necessarily mean that with the right mix of players and personnel and things like that, that it can't work either. Or that Staley is not ready to evolve and make it into something different. And the other thing I'll say, oh, I want to add one more thing there. So Christian Parker, this is, I think, one of the reasons why he is attractive. He comes from a little bit of Patton, a little bit of Evero, a little bit of Vance Joseph. Like he's got all different influences in his background not too dissimilar to what Matt LaFleur had, where Matt LaFleur had a little bit of Shanahan, a little bit of older Shanahan, a little bit of, you know, Sean McVay, you know, worked with, you know, uh, Arthur Smith as his, you know, he, Arthur Smith was underneath him, but like put together kind of his own offense in Tennessee and Vrabel was the head coach and like had all of these little mixtures and pieces of things that he got over his time. And then he was able to put his own thing together. I kind of see it similarly for Christian Parker, where you got a little bit of Evero, you got a little bit of Mike Pettin, you got a little bit of Vance Joseph, and he kind of can now pick and choose what he kind of wants to put together with the assistance of Matt LaFleur to build, hopefully, a defense that takes some of the best things from all those systems and puts it together. I think that's a great way to look at it. But what I want to add here is that I don't think there's a perfect path. You might think you've got a you know way to figure out of like who the next defensive coordinator is going to be. Here are the top five defensive coordinators or defenses last year, the the people who led the defenses. Jim Schwartz in Cleveland, Mike McDonald in Baltimore, Robert Sala with the Jets, who's of course the coach, but he ran the defense, Dan Quinn in Dallas, and Steve Spagnuolo in Kansas City. Those were the top five defenses. Jim Schwartz is 57 years old. He started coaching as a graduate assistant and a linebackers coach at Maryland in 1989 he would and become became a graduate assistant at Minnesota in 1990, a secondary coach for North Carolina Central in 1991, a linebackers coach for Colgate in 1992. He was a scout for the Browns from 93 to 95. He was an outside linebackers coach for the Ravens from 96 to 98, a defensive assistant for the Titans in 99 a linebackers coach for the Titans in 2020, and then finally got his first defensive coordinator job in 2001 for the Titans and was the defensive coordinator there for from 2001 to 2008. That was his first. Like before that, linebackers coach was the biggest job that he had had up until that point, never was a defensive coordinator up until that. Then he got a head coaching job with the Lions, Defensive coordinator for the Bills for a year, defensive coordinator with the Eagles for five years, senior defensive assistant with the Titans, and then in 2023 became the Browns defensive coordinator. That is a heck of a path. 57 years old, defensive coordinator retread, has had his ups and downs, Did not was not successful as a head coach in the past. And you can look at some of those head coaching stints like when you see the head coach of the Lions, his defenses weren't great, but guess what? few years later, he's a phenomenal defensive coordinator and one of the best defensive minds still in the NFL. You would probably look at, you know, his his journey up until that point after, especially after he was head coach of the Lions, probably in a similar spot, people viewed him as, you know, they're looking at a Brandon Staley right now, but he came back and had a super impressive defensive coordinator career after that failed head coaching job, but that was his journey. Mike McDonald. All right. Cedar Shoals High School, 2008 to 2009, linebackers coach and running backs coach. 2010, he was a graduate assistant for Georgia, defensive quality control assistant at Georgia from 2011 to 2013. He became a coaching intern for the Ravens, defensive assistant for the Ravens, defensive backs coach for the Ravens, linebackers coach for the Ravens, then became defensive coordinator at Michigan for one season. And then the Ravens brought him back as their defensive coordinator in 2022. He was basically position coaches for a few years in Baltimore, one-year defensive coordinator at Michigan, and then took over and is now one of the best defenses in the NFL. Robert Sala, Michigan State offensive assistant, Michigan State defensive assistant, Central Michigan defensive assistant, Georgia defensive assistant, Texans defensive intern, Texans defensive quality control coach. Texans assistant linebackers coach, Seahawks defensive quality control coach, Jaguars linebackers coach for three years, and then became out of nowhere, kind of the 49ers defensive coordinator in 2017. And he was amazing at it. Dan Quinn, I mean, his journey is 1994 William and Mary defensive line coach is when he started coaching. 53 years old, multiple defensive coordinator stints, a head coaching stint with Atlanta that did not go well. And then he took over the Dallas defense in 2021 and is had a really impressive stint in Dallas since that point. That's a different journey than some of those other guys. Steve Spagnuolo is 64 years old. Massachusetts, graduate assistant, 1981. I'm pretty old. And he started coaching before I was born. Like, so my point being here, I think you get the point. These guys have all had bizarre, different, weird journeys. And those are the five coaches that have put together the five best defenses this past year. Some of them are older. Some of them are retreads. Some of them are former failed head coaches. Mike McDonald barely had a cup of coffee before getting his defensive coordinator job. Had one year as a defensive coordinator at Michigan. There's all different ways to get to that point, but there's no perfect path. Just because it worked for one person one way doesn't make it gonna you know, mean it's gonna work that way for somebody else. Matt LaFleur has to find his own guy on his own path, on his own journey, that's going to be able to come in and run this defense at a super high and successful level. The last thing before I go over Green Bay's needs and how they should go about hiring this is I heard a lot of like, well, does this coordinator need to come in and like hire their own assistants? I think it really depends on a couple different things. If it's somebody like a Christian Parker, he's what, 32 years old, 33 years old. I don't know that Christian Parker has a Rolodex of coaches that he's ready to like bring in. Maybe he does. And if that's what is needed, then so be it. But you're more likely to talk to Christian Parker, who was in Green Bay in you know what, 2019, 2020 with Matt LaFleur. Matt brought him into Green Bay and he's worked with some of these coaches. Heck, some of the coaches in his Rolodex might be the ones that he worked with in Green Bay there might be a far less likelihood that he needs a brand new staff of coaches because those might be his best opportunities to actually like work with people that he's worked with in the past and build that staff that way. So that could be a perfect way to build his specific defensive coaching staff is kind of keep the guys and some of the guys that he worked with back in 2019 and 2020. If it's somebody like a Wink Martindale and you want to give full autonomy to the defense and say, hey, Wink, you are the guy, Like you would do whatever you need to do, similar to sort of like the Rich Passachia style of, hey, they nuked all the special teams coaches in Green Bay. Passachia came in, he got to bring two assistants with him. He brought two players with him to help kind of teach the system to everyone else. If you want to do that with a Wink Martindale and bring in a Xavier McKinney at safety to kind of go along with him to to help run that defense and all of the assistants that Martindale wants to bring along with them that he knows throughout the league so they can run his system. Great. That makes sense. And I'm cool with that. I just don't think, again, that there's one perfect, clear, obvious way that this needs to be done. And in large part, it probably depends a lot upon who they hire. And then finally, last but not least, what do the Packers actually need to look for in this process? Here's my list of things in order. Number one, they need to be a great teacher. I think every coach slash coordinator starts off by being a great teacher, that they can get their point across, that they can make the players the best versions of themselves that they can possibly be, and teach the system that they want to run at a high level, or that they're going to run it the way that it needs to be run. I think always number one needs to be that they're a great teacher. Number two is that they're a phenomenal communicator and connector. If you have the best scheme in the world, but you don't know how to communicate it to your players and you don't know how to get them to connect together and build this system together and get that buy-in, it means nothing. So they have to be a great communicator and a great connector. Number three, you have to be a great leader and you have to get buy-in from the players with that leadership to buy into your system. If you don't have that influence, if you don't have that leadership trait, they're not gonna buy in and it's never gonna work out. I hate keeping up bringing up the Milwaukee Bucks, but we saw that with Adrian Griffin. He did not have that trait. He was not able to come in and get a group of veteran players to buy into his system. And instead, there was more of a mutiny, and they all wanted to run the stuff that they were running in the past that they were more successful with. And what did it end up with? It ended up with Adrian Griffin getting fired. And if they don't, if they have again a great scheme or they run the right system, but they can't communicate it, they can't lead it, they can't teach it, it is all for nothing. Number four, they have to bring in somebody who can build an identity. This defense was rudderless. It had no identity. It tried to be bend but don't break, but it broke a lot. They were not a great turnover team, not a great sack team, not a great blitzing team, not a great tackling team, not a great nothing. There was nothing that they were great at. It is going to be paramount that this defensive coordinator comes in and gets them to be great at something and that they have an identity that they can build around. Maybe that's hard hitting, tackling, ball hawking, force fumbles, whatever it is, they have to have something that can be the foundation of what they want to be defensively. Joe Barry's defense never had it. And it's going to be paramount again that this new coordinator has an identity that can build around. Number five, we talked about it. Adaptability and the ability to put players in their best positions. The first question I would ask is, what players do you need to make your defense successful? And if they say, I need this, this, and this, it's over. It's not the right person for the job. If they say, just go get me the best players. I will make it work. I no matter I don't care if you give me stand up 3 4 outside linebackers, guys that need their hand in the dirt, if you give me seven safeties, six I don't care. Just get me good football players and I will make it work. That's the adaptability that I want out of my coaching, you know, staff and coordinators that they can take good players and make them successful and you can build your system around them. Number six, analytical skills. We are in 2024. You better have the ability to marry an analytical approach with a scouting approach, with a coaching approach, and blend it all together to make yourself the most successful defensive coordinator that you can possibly be. Number seven, you better be hungry because this cannot just be somebody that's coming in and going through the motions or like, you know, maybe wing Martindale gets here and he's like, man, I'm, I just don't have the, the same, you know, tenacity to do this anymore. I, I don't know. Maybe he does. Who, I, I have no idea, but like, you have to have somebody that's coming in hungry and motivated and like really wants to prove themselves in my opinion. And maybe that is like a wing Martindale. Maybe he's ticked off that this is not like the, the, the Ravens thing worked, didn't work out. The giants thing didn't work out. And he wants to like cement his legacy maybe that's his hunger. Maybe it's a young up and coming coach that wants to be a head coach eventually. Maybe that's his hunger, but you need somebody that's hungry to prove themselves. Number eight, can they get the defense playing cohesively, meeting the defensive linemen, the edge players, the linebackers, the corners, and the safeties are all on the same page, playing 11 person football, not just everyone running around and doing their own individual thing. Number nine, Can They have the ability to run the defense autonomously, meaning Matt LaFleur should not have to be involved in the day-to-day of the defense like he had to be at the end of this past season. Matt needs to run the offense and run the team. That needs to be his purview. Rich Passaccia needs to run the special teams, and this defensive coordinator needs to be able to run the defense without Matt having to get super involved. So they have to have that autonomy. Number 10, There better be a synergy with Matt LaFleur. They need to be cohesive. They need to be on the same page and they need to have that ability to bounce ideas off of each other and make sure that they are working cohesively together. If there's that budding of heads, like we saw with Wink Martindale and Brian Dable, it's probably never going to work. So that's super important. Number 11 is they need to have a team first mentality. It's great if you bring in a young and hungry coach, but if they're young and hungry just to get that next coaching job, if that's their main motivator, it's not to win a Super Bowl in Green Bay, it's how do I advance? How do I get that head coaching job? They're, that's not the right reasons. They might act independently. And do things that are better for their own career than that are better for the Green Bay Packers. So it's super important that they have that team first mentality. And then last but not least, you do have to have the ability to put together a playbook, a scheme, and be a good play caller to make everything come together. But to me, you you have to have all the other traits first. And all of those things are not things that we can glean, well, because they run a Mike Petton system or because they run, there are so many other things that go into this decision than just what system they run. I would not hire based off a of system. I would based off of I would hire based off of coached and like what they're gonna bring to the table from a leadership standpoint, a teaching standpoint, a communicator, a motivator, all of it. If they don't have any of that stuff, the scheme doesn't matter. And if they have all the things that you need for them to be successful, they will find a way to make the scheme work or they will adapt the scheme to make it work. So those are the things that I am looking for. And I just think it's really impossible for us to say, well, yep, Christian Parker is going to be that or Brandon Staley is going to be that or they're not going to be that because there's just so much of all of those things that we can't know. It's almost impossible to know. I would wanna talk to as many of these coordinators as I possibly could so I could make the most educated decision possible. At the same time, if I talked to one of them and they were freaking amazing and hit everything that I wanted to hit, I would make sure I got them in the building sooner rather than later so that they didn't end up with some other team. So I think there's a, a nuance to that approach as well. At the end of the day, I think only Matt's gonna know, but this is a massive decision for Matt. There's no two ways around it. And I'll say it one more time. I understand the anxiousness and the nervousness. Um, I can see why you'd be a little bit worried about what's going to come next because it hasn't been a great you know, situation for Green Bay, especially on the defensive side of the ball for so freaking long. But the best news is, I think all of these candidates are going to be upgrades from Joe Barry. And while, again, a Brandon Staley, not necessarily the guy that's going to be top of my list, I still have a hard time seeing any bad candidates on this list. I think all of them bring something different to the table. I think all of them can be successful given the right circumstances and situation, but I think we just have to let this play out and trust Matt that he's making the right decision for the right reasons and putting somebody in the job that is ultimately going to be able to do all those things that we just mentioned, because it's going to have to be that way if they have any real intentions of winning a Super Bowl moving forward. Christian Parker is the guy I like the most in the research that I've done so far. I said that prior to Andrew Murtag's report. Uh, He was the guy uh, a few days ago when Ross Uglum tweeted a bunch of us and said, gut reaction, who's your pick? And I said, Christian Parker. I think that's who they'll go with. Um, That's also the guy that has caught my attention the most. Um, I'll go through it because I have a feeling I'm going to be talking about Christian Parker and and his stint as the next defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers uh, in the near future here. Maybe not. Maybe things go in a different direction. We'll see. But either way, in the coming days, we're either going to break down the new defensive coordinator if it gets announced, or we'll start breaking down these candidates a little bit more one by one or going through them with more of a fine-tooth comb. And I do have a lot of reasons to be excited about Christian Parker. Shout out to our Hall of Fame and All Pro members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wayne, John Wilde, Shay Dad, Brandon Paletta, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donald Lee, Lori Lord, Baby QB, and David McCluskey. Appreciate you guys all for being here. Hopefully, Green Bay knocks this decision out of the park. Hopefully, you enjoy your Divisional Round Sunday, or sorry, your Conference Championship Sunday. Should be a really fun day of football, our second to last Sunday of the year, which is uh, the, the penultimate Sunday of the season. Uh, which is sad, but I'm super excited about this offseason as well, which should be a ton of fun for the Packers and their fans. Make sure you're subscribed, like, comment, do all those amazing things. Check out Packaday podcast YouTube memberships. I will see you guys right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!